0: Welcome to episode two of Idaho SESTA's Classroom Management Behavior Series podcast. This is a place for general and special educators of all grade levels to hear about topics important to helping you develop effective classroom management practices to improve student performance and to maintain appropriate behavior in the classroom. I'm Lisa Richardson, Behavior Coordinator in the Southeast Region 6 and part of Region 5.
1: And I am Brianna Cober. I'm the behavior coordinator in the south middle region of Idaho. I cover regions five and a little bit of region six as well. I'm down in the Magic Valley area. Today's podcast is going to be the second educator spotlight. Today we have with us John Burke. I'm so excited to be hosting this podcast today because one fun fact about him is he participated in our Albi project last year. For those of you that don't know what Albi stands for, it's the Advanced Learners Behavior Institute. This project was something we did last year that allowed our SESTA coordinators to work really closely with some individuals all throughout the state functional thinking was a huge component of albie and i am proud to say that jb has become very skilled at thinking functionally so now i'm going to stop bragging for a minute and let him (laughs) introduce himself and tell us a little bit about who he is what he does and how he got to where he is today so go ahead jb
2: well, very interesting story. You know, I'm going to start way back, even before grad school, because it's just kind of funny how things get lined up. My bachelor's degree is in ag economics. I always enjoyed working with kids. And one day during an open house back at Kansas State, I thought, I'm going to go check out the family and child development program in the home ec department. So I walked in, and this very attractive professor came up and she says, I know what you're looking for. And I thought, You do? She says, Yeah, you're looking for family and child development. And so off she steered me to get into family and child Development and it all started from there. I did end up getting a master's degree in family and child development, adolescent counseling, and spent a number of years after that growing mushrooms. And that and then decided it was time to start working with kids again i uh, became a psr worker for a private provider and uh, started working both out of school and in schools i got into developmental therapy i also did intensive behavior intervention became certified in all of those i did as much as i could to learn how can i work with kids and and be effective in making changes in their lives Getting to where I am here in Kimberley was another one of those crazy things. I was doing PSR here at the school. Linda Reese, the special education director, was talking to me and always trying to get me to become a staff member at the school. And I kept saying, no, I enjoy what I'm doing as a PSR person. And then one day she says, well, you know, you can have retirement in five years And the light bulb came on. I thought, okay, I probably need retirement. And so I signed up and became a special education teacher. That was a little over six years ago. I've been doing special education here at Kimberly for the last six years. Of course, with the behavior background, I do get to jump into the behavioral concerns that we have with a number of our students.
1: I always find it so interesting to see how people who are in this wild world of behavior did not start there. It's really funny to see where their paths came from, but we all seem to have a common goal once we get here. A lot of people think we're crazy because some of us really enjoy doing this, but we all have such common interests in seeing the success of these children. It's harder for them to see that success sometimes.
0: It's really inspiring because your background is so varied. You are pulling from so many different places to get the knowledge you have. And and it really kind of uniquely sets you up to, to do what you're doing, it sounds like. And the behavioral study probably just added to it. That's great.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing I'd really like to hear a little bit more about is if you had any aha moments where you learned specifically about thinking functionally or behavior analysis, when was a moment where you really changed your perspective on behavior?
2: So thinking about that way back in my early days of the PSR, I was working with a student who was on the autism spectrum and I was meeting him at the Twin Falls pool, they were having a class field trip. I met him there and was working with him in that environment. And the bus driver happened by and we were sitting on the bench as the student was in the pool with his classmates. He started talking about him and says, what's wrong with this boy? He says, I could fix that in a short time. All I need to do is take him out back behind the barn or whatever it was that he's going to say. And I thought, you know, a part of me says, yeah, that would probably take care of things. But then I got to thinking, no, that's not right. There are other things going on that we need to look at, we need to figure out why the behaviors are occurring. And of course, at the time, I was very early into my behavioral understanding of how you work with these kids the most effective way. It was at that point that I thought, I've got to start learning better ways to address the behavior concerns that these students have. So I did a lot of trainings, but it wasn't until I took this LB class last year that I really had a a good game plan laid out, starting from the interviews that I needed to do for a functional behavioral assessment and the other things that I needed to seek to make sure that I'm turning over every stone that I need to turn over to find out what it is that we need to do for these individual students. I think that was probably my very first good aha moment. It really is
0: great when you can get a tool like that, a process that someone's already proven works and you gel it with everything you already know. It gives you the tools to really make meaningful change or help people make meaningful changes.
2: That's what's been very, very nice. Now I've got the forms, the paperwork. When we go into a meeting, I can just lay that out and say, okay, here's the process that we're going to go through. Here's the things that we're going to look at, discuss, and so on. And then I can get everybody all together on one page thinking in the same direction and where we're wanting to go with the the whole process.
1: Yeah, I think that is amazing. I really want to hear more about how you work with your teams and how you use some of those things that you were just talking about to think functionally and also teach your teams to think functionally. That's one of our big goals here mm-hmm. is We want to increase people's awareness of this new way of thinking, right? Because it is new for a lot of people when we go from, it's not just a big bad behavior, it's trying to serve a purpose and meet a need. Can you give us a little bit more about how you use all this knowledge with your teams and how you try to spread that awareness?
2: Well, I certainly introduce them to the materials that I'm comfortable using and then start talking about the function of the behavior. Behavior is communication. So what is this child trying to tell us? What can we look at to start addressing in that? So giving him the four functions that we look at and then taking each one of those and and saying, okay, is this part of what the child is doing and how do we address the needs of the child for, say, the sensory issues? Also having guidelines, if it is a sensory issue, what are some of the strategies that we can put into? we can lay them out? And these people who actually know the student very well are able to say, well, this is what we see the child needing. This is what would actually probably work. Then we can put those into whatever behavioral plan that we want to write up.
1: Can you think of any specific examples that you are maybe fond of when you were able to walk a team through thinking functionally to come up with a function based intervention plan for a student?
2: Yeah, certainly. So we have a a student who's on the autism spectrum and fairly low functioning and presents a fair amount of difficult behaviors for people to deal with. We were struggling quite a bit with him last year. We started looking at some different things that we could put into place. One of the things that we realized the student was trying to escape, get out of the classroom. We discovered where it was that he was heading was out the door to go find rocks he just loved rocks some sort of a sensory need that he he had that rocks would fulfill i says okay how can we replace His need to run out of the classroom and go look for these rocks with a a way for him to satisfy this need, but yet also give him that movement that he's wanting. I said, let's create a rock pile here in the school when he's ready to go or he's done some things that he's needed to get done. Now we can go to the rock pile and pick out rocks. So they did create that. It, It didn't turn out the way that I envisioned it, but it turned out the way that they knew that they could deal with it and still keep him from heading off and doing some other things as well. Looking at some of those things, we also looked at other sensory needs, created some sensory boards for him, gave him his own little corner where the sensory boards were mounted for him to be able to go in and fulfill his sensory diet with that stuff. We also looked at, okay, we have some work for him that we want him to do, and he's trying to avoid it. How can we set this up so that he is actually enjoying doing this work? And so then we did, and I forget what we call it, Brianna, but where we stair-step it, you know, going from high uh, high probability uh, to low probability. Prob- yes, thank you, and the high probability to low probability. That was a light bulb thing for me when you presented that. I said, yeah, that's exactly what we need to set up and do. We've done that with him and other students as well. And I've seen some very, very good successes with uh, getting them to get more work done.
1: What I love about that example is this was not a simple case. It wasn't just one clear function. He loved movement. He had a lot of sensory needs. And then also tangible access to these rocks was a huge motivator for him. He did not enjoy that schoolwork. So there was some avoidance behaviors or some escape maintained behaviors. And that's what can get really hard for teams is you came up with a plan that addressed multiple functions and doing that with a team is the skill that is to be desired. I really enjoyed watching you go through that process and you did such a great job.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, when I was going to it, I wasn't so sure. but
1: <laughs> No, you did awesome. Let's say we're trying to talk to someone about the advantages of using tools like the competing behavior pathway or thinking functionally or an FBA analyzing behaviors to identify a function. What are some of the benefits or advantages of this way of thinking or these tools that you would let someone know if they were maybe skeptical or hesitant?
2: Up front, it seems like a whole lot of work to have to go through and do these things. But oh my gosh, in the end, it saves so much time because you can identify so many of the needs, so many of the things that you've got to take a look at and the places that you want to go with your whole behavioral plan. You're going to save yourself time. Certainly, there's things you're going to have to change and tweak as you go and find out, well, that didn't quite work the way I wanted it to work. But when you can put these things together and lay it out so that people have a pretty good picture of what it is that we're needing to do. I think that's such a huge benefit. Mm
1: Yeah, one of my favorite feelings is when I have a team that's feeling overwhelmed by a behavior or frustrated and we're able to go in and say, we know this is a lot, but we take all that information and we really focus in on function and it helps the team come out of the meeting with a much more clear focus and feeling far less overwhelmed because the tool does the work. The competing behavior pathway does the work for us. We just need to know what to put on it. I know you experienced that with me, JB. I think that is one of my favorite things, not to tell people, but to show them like, let's do it. Let's walk through this process and let's take this big, overwhelming behavior and identify how we can prevent it or teach a new behavior or respond to it to try to change the behavior.
2: Certainly, when you're first getting into it, it looks very daunting. But as you start working with it more and become familiar, you realize it's actually a fairly simple process when you know what it is that you want to plug into each of the specific areas in the behavioral pathway.
0: I'm just sitting here thinking there's probably some listeners out there who maybe aren't as familiar with the Competing Behavior Pathway. So Brie, where could they find out more about that? Like if they wanted to learn about
1: the process? So we are going to add the Competing Behavior Pathway as one of the resources in our show notes with this podcast. We also have the Competing Behavior Pathway as a resource on the Idaho Training Clearinghouse, which is idahotc.com. This is a tool that we use in all of our trainings. It's a great tool to get familiar with. We have some modules on the Idaho Training Clearinghouse also that walk you through the competing behavior pathway it's a tool that lets us say here's what the student's doing here's what's happening in the environment before and after the behavior and then we go into how are we the adults going to prevent respond and then teach a new behavior because ethically we don't want to take away a student's behavior if it's meeting a need without replacing it with a new behavior that also meets that need Did I miss anything, John?
2: No, you didn't. I'm (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up because ethically, you're right. That was one of the things that jumped out at me as well because we like to extinct these bad behaviors, but really we're not doing the child a service if that's what we do and don't give them something else to replace that.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, John. You had really great tips and information and you can see the knowledge and the success you've experienced through your stories. It's a great thing to be a part of and to watch you do it is really fun for me. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We want to thank you all for
0: joining us today as we featured one of Idaho's amazing educators. We hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. We look forward to featuring many more fabulous educators as we continue on in our classroom management behavior series this year.
1: Links to all of the part one and part two resources can be found below in the show notes, as well as links to our Spotlight Educators go-to resources. You can find this and future podcasts, as well as other great resources on topics relevant to classroom management on the Out of the Box series webpage located in the Idaho Training Clearinghouse at idahotc.com backslash behavior. Thank you for listening.
0: Idaho SESTA is funded by the
1: Special Education Department of
0: Idaho State Department of Education. I'd like to thank Idaho Training Clearinghouse for helping to bring this podcast to you. The ITC has been making special education training opportunities and resources available to the school professionals and parents for years. Whether you're looking for behavioral strategies, how to write high-quality IEPs, support for paraprofessionals, assistive technology, collaborating with general education teachers, and so much more, the ITC is a great first stop. Topics are covered with modules, webinars, and downloadable resources right from your desktop or handheld device. Visit idahotc.com and begin your search with our behavior topics page to see what's already there. Oh, and the best part, it's free.